Good morning. Boy, another late start today. 6.50 in the morning. Can you believe how late it is? The sun is almost up on a beautiful fall day. About crisp fall day with leaves on the ground. Now let's listen. We don't hear any of the normal sounds. Crickets chirping. There are traces of clouds in the sky. Let's see if Venus is here to see us. No stars to be seen. I guess I slept too late. So, yesterday I lost two pounds overnight. And I absolutely didn't eat any food. But I did notice that my gummy bear vitamins do contain sugar. And I had one bottle of hydration energy drink that I think contained high fructose corn syrup. <clears throat> and another half a bottle of Powerade. So I did contain, I did consume some some sugar yesterday, but still two pounds is pretty good. So, we're back on track with our fasting after having turned it into intermittent for two days. But I don't want to kill myself. And this is going to be a slow process of finding the right consumption to really get my eating under control, increase my activity, and to uh, burn more fat, really. So I was told by Claudette, thank you, one of the podcast hosts who doesn't really listen to the show, but... I'll mention her anyway, but that's okay, because I don't really listen to the show either, so you're in good company. Adam Curry says he does his post-production in 45 minutes, so he can't possibly listen to his show either. But, um... I did post the largest wave files that I had on my on my system to archive.org. And um, that's my new strategy now. I am <clears throat> recording as wave using the audio recorder and posting that file to anchor.fm, but I'm also going to post it to archive.org. And that's why we're not going to create segments. We're going to just keep on going. So first of all, I'd like to start out with an AI challenge. I mean, this podcast is going to be an AI challenge. We're going to challenge the AI. Because it would be a good test. Yesterday we talked about how many terabytes of information per second you can put into your podcast. And um, if we really had an AI that could understand human language, then we're producing some pretty complicated sentences with some pretty big implications. Well, basically designing algorithms or code or setting up some relationships some models and um, 
Let me try this coffee here. Good morning. Yeah, it's pretty good coffee. There's all types of people up this morning. That's what you get for getting up late. You have to share the road. It's kind of nice having the whole street to yourself. So I uh, <clears throat> I tried out different uh, podcasting apps yesterday to upload some of my recent episodes there. Um, I think we're on SoundCloud, Podbean, Pod, Buzzsprout. Now Buzzsprout was the best interface. You just give it your RSS, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm cloning this. So that was pretty good. But it's funny because they were like, oh yeah, you're over quota. And then Spoon, some weird streaming app called Spoon. It's like, oh, maximum 100 megabytes, maximum one hour sound speaker, speaker. Yeah, excuse me, I got hiccups. Now, I might pause the recording if I get hiccups. I don't want to make you listen to that. <clears throat> yeah, lots of people getting up already. So I'm not wearing my boots today. Because after a three-hour march in those boots, my feet were hurting. Now I got my walking shoes on, my running sneaks. I have holes in them already. Damn, so many things to talk about. The theater of the mind. So if anything, if this is entertainment, yesterday I mentioned cinematography which is defined as the actual creating of the video. The actual creation of film. As opposed to being a director or screenwriter, which is the definition of what the film should contain. So I think we have to study screenwriting a bit, or maybe it's called directing, I don't know. We're going to learn about these different terms, I'm not going to claim to know anything about them, but we do want to direct the attention. We want to direct the mind. We want to guide where the mind goes and what the mind sees if you're passively watching or passively listening. We want to give you a certain experience, <clears throat> sensations. And we want to think about what those sensations will be like. We're constructing mental images or physical images that will construct mental images so we're trying to transmit a mental image really and even if that mental image is the sensory perception that we see that is the image we're trying to share in terms of meaning and then that's from an art perspective. Now yesterday on chapter 8, Curry said that all code is art. Now I find that an interesting perspective. Because I have never shared that before. But I guess 
he has his reasons for saying that, so we can consider this idea. If all code is art, if all expression is art, even if it's just bad art, or bad candidates, candidates for art. Just poor art. Or sub-art. See, from my perspective, code is communication with a compiler. And the compiler is communication with the chip. And the chip is communication with physics, with the silicon. And that silicon could very well be something very, very different. not human. It is nothing like human. Now, it has been said that anything you can write in silicon, you can also write using pipes and switches and water pressure gauges and any idea that you can express as a computer program you can also express as a system of water pipes and pressures representing the information that they're Turing equivalent and I do not doubt that We might other see we might see natural phenomena growth of mold or maybe we could construct plates of sugars to grow mold in certain ways that when they grow you could 3D print some glass plate with dots of sugar in a certain pattern that would cause the mold to grow in some way that represents a Turing complete program to calculate something. Maybe that's possible. In any case, mathematics and logic philosophy and math both have a human aspect and an art aspect to them. And there's a certain beauty in the expressions and equations. And the theories. But you can get some pretty ugly ones. Okay. But the point being is that not all not all mechanics have a human sensi sensory expression or se sensation If we take the institutional theory of art, what system of art is going to value the candidate, evaluate the candidate? 
for some of this code. I mean, you could be producing code for it's only indirectly visible hidden relationships as he mentioned also the hidden relationships in art I guess I'm lacking the tools to evaluate that statement how's that sound I'm gonna need to up my up my game But it has never been my viewpoint that all code is art. Or maybe it's just that I'm a very poor artist. And I find it hard to accept that my code would be evaluated as art. guess my code has gotten a bad reception in the art code art community and um, if you look at something utilitarian that you're just using you could consider some service some web app some iPhone app to be art. Like, oh, look at my iPhone. It's art. This iPod. It's so beautiful. And all that stuff inside of it, you could say, oh, those are just the details of the art. That's just the implementation. Those dirty people getting their hands dirty, typing in all that dirty code. Somewhere deep, deep. in the depths of the machine and those kids working in the factories in China building this thing that's art and um, I guess it's some form of tra tragic tragic art I guess it could be considered a tra tragedy I guess we love tragedies, don't we? So yeah, if the iPhone is art, then it's a tragic, it's a tragic story. There we go. That sounds like a pretty, a pretty good, uh, Hey Adam, maybe you're listening to this. Greets. Greeting. Grüße. Viele Grüße. Aus Deutschland. So, let's move on to the next topic. I mean, really, we... <clears throat> I'm not skilled enough to consider all of this yet. I attached, attacked the idea of art from my perspective previously, and um, maybe I reawakened something in me, something slumbering. My inner vision was reinstated as a first-class citizen. Constructed out of pieces. The Stargate. The portal.
the stage. Now, is the stage not the Stargate? Is the TV screen not the Stargate? The smartphone, the command line terminal, are all these things not different tokens of the infinite possibilities that can come through? Unbounded complexity, pure chaos of the world, or order, or whatever, but in a small function, f of x equals y. Is that not the stage? And, um, Yeah, that's kind of where we're getting at. Now we watched some interesting stuff on Blender last night. Some Serbian company. It's like YouTube Y-O-O-T-U-B-Z or something. They make like Blender templates that you can just type your text into and it'll render them in a couple of minutes with your favorite picture, your favorite logo, your text. which is pretty cool. I was looking at that. And I want to learn more about that. And I suppose you can create a model file with some kind of parameters that are replaced. And then include that file into another file. Or you have to do it all using code. We'll find out. And I found, I think it's called Armor, which is a game engine that interacts with Blender. So we're really excited about that. And we are going to continue learning about making 3D models. I hear the birds, but the crickets, I don't hear. Maybe I'm just up too late for crickets. We have some fat squirrels here, let me tell you. And we have brown, gray, black, whitish squirrels. They're all gray squirrels, but they're like different different colors. We got all types of colors of them here. It's quite interesting to see. Now, <clears throat> on the topic of podcasting, it's just amazing how restrictive a lot of these environments are for podcasting. Um, but I can tell you that it should be very possible to use archive.org as my target I'm hoping that it works. I even got four listens on one episode that I posted a while back on Archive as a test. Four listens. So because you listen stats, that doesn't mean they'd listen to more than 10 seconds of it, but But uh, 
We're producing a lot of bandwidth here just by talking. A WAV file. And there's a lot more being lost. Because we're only sampling a little bit of it. But it's definitely been a great experience for me. 125 episodes in. This is episode 126. I'm going to call it the iPod. iPhone is tragic art. I think that's a pretty provocative name. That's pretty good coffee, though, let me tell you. You'd be hard-pressed to get good coffee like this in an office. I can't imagine that if I actually had fans one day, they were like, What do you mean you gave up walking? now you have a big podcast studio with a great mic. No, go back to walking with your headset. Now, I did look at some nice headsets. Like, you can spend 300 bucks on a headset microphone. I guess I need to look into, like, some kind of skydiver headset. Or some military-grade uh, microphones that they use. tactical microphones. We'll see. Yeah, so 20 hours in, I'm not eating. The ketosis is supposed to kick in. Ketosis. And everyone's going crazy about ketosis and um, living carb free so we're going to try it out we're going to try and reduce our carbs down to nothing today and part of my body was screaming let me tell you part of me was just like Look at all this good food. Why don't we eat it? You gave me some yesterday. How come I don't get none today? And it's really like betraying part of you when you try and lose weight. It's like... That lazy part of you is just like... I'm not good enough for you, am I? Huh? What about before? That was fine. When we picked out on the spare ribs. And now, you don't want to hang out with me anymore. So, it turns out that we do process the fats. I guess they all go through the digestive system. But maybe they just don't get destroyed. It's not going straight into your body. I guess the cells do break down, but I think um, they get repackaged. So, but I'm not too sure. And I think the fats store toxins in the body. So I guess you could release toxins when you eat toxic food, and then that could go into the existing fats. Anyway, when you burn the fats, you might be releasing some stuff. That's all I can say. That's what flashbacks are made out of. And, you know, any diet change produces a psychological effect.
and can produce a psychedelic effect, a hallucinatory effect, some kind of change and shift. Well, we went to Pennsylvania yesterday, and I have to say, even in this area, so we are not halfway between New York and Philly, but three quarters of the way between New York and Philly. And we're definitely in the water, the naval waters of Philadelphia. Look at this here, it's so beautiful. We're definitely in the naval waters of Philadelphia. Um, we're on the river. And some people said that certain parts of southern Jersey were also Confederate. And Philadelphia was also a, um, definitely a swing state for Confederacy, according to the history. We need to look into it deeper. I have a huge book on Philadelphia. I haven't been reading it lately. But um, is it a sub sandwich or is it a hoagie? Well, here it's a hoagie. We still got Jersey Mike subs, which are worldwide. And the Big Kahuna sub, the Big Kahuna cheesesteak is pretty damn good. So, so, um, talk about food, huh? Makes you want to eat. In the theater of the mind, you hear these these leaves crisping. Let's walk over some leaves. What a sound. Now, when we were down south in Virginia, down in Dixieland, they actually didn't have um, any leaves falling down. Maybe I should put a little foam bubble on the end of this microphone. Maybe that would help with breath and wind. So, people are like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, that's the sound of me thinking. Like, you're listening to live thinking right now. It's a little machine churning. So to get back to, we're not going to give up on this topic of whether the code is art. Like, is a computer art? Is a chip design art? Right? Is the Turing or Van Neumann model art? And I would argue, yes, that the Turing model is art, and it's popular, more popular than the church lambda functions, and it's more popular than the girdle numbers, recursive, because it's more approachable. It's more beautiful, because simpler.
it introduces the idea of state, something that we feel comfortable with. You're like, I got all these bits in my estate. Look at all them there bits. I've been growing them for years. And um, that gives us a certain safe space, certain comfort. And when we get to the functional, they're like, you ain't got no state. You just got the, you just got the lamp, that's it. And it makes people upset. They're like, well, where's all my bits? So in terms of aesthetics and feelings and reception, even if they're Turing equivalent, I would say the Turing machine model is art in the fact that it's more amenable to human minds. I remember my dad telling me about the peak and the poke functions, how he learned that. And that he could do anything in the computer with that. And yes, Father, you can do anything in the computer with a peek in the poke, because that is the Turing machine. It's like you can write to a memory address, you can read from a memory address, you can jump to a position in the code, you can compare numbers, and that is the Turing machine. And it's a simple interface. It's something we can all relate to. It's like, I'm going to drive my car over here, I'm going to read these bits, I'm going to write these bits, pick up this plant pot over here and move it over there. So that's kind of, that is kind of the interface, the model that he came up with. I mean, sure, his theory is out there, but his theory is also quite elegant to read and beautiful. And the chips that implemented are they subsequent art and they have their own beauty to them some way the intel chip has its own form of beauty or own form of art but um, the chipset the instructions there's some thought that went into it it's in the genre of chips implementing the Turing machine the Van Neumann architecture. I got some beautiful diagrams. So, okay, fine. It's an artifact. It is art in one way. But if I just write an expression, or I have a machine that generates expressions, or I have a program that's generating expressions. Let's say I'm just permutating over all statements. I'm just trying all random numbers. Is that art? I guess if it's expressing a concept, you could consider it that way. But I think we can get to the point the edges, edge cases, where a computer is generating random code, another computer is interpreting it, and it's never seen by human. I mean, at what point does it cease to be art? And I think the art aspect has to do with human artifacts that are evaluated by humans, or do we include the world? Do we include the bees as evaluators of the art like we discussed before? So I'm sure that there's edge cases. I've always seen compiler as communication between the programmer and the compiler writer. And the compiler writer has a proxy, which is the compiler. So they built this compiler and we're communicating with it. And they're communicating with the machine or the assembly code. 
writers. There's a chain of communication between proxies. And I've never really considered it to be art in that respect. It's always been communication for me. But I guess you could consider communication of idea as art. I've always considered it semiosis, the creation of symbols, the transmission of symbols, semiotics. So I guess that's a branch of art in some perspective. Walking up this hill here. I'm going to have to switch up my path soon. Walking uphill and thinking. Well, Dave from Podcast Index, hey, just send you a message here in my podcast. Leave your voicemail. Um, <clears throat> I haven't always been coherent in this podcast, and I haven't always. Um, put a lot of thought into the artwork of it, the art of it, the aesthetics, more of an idea dump, trying to get this stuff out, but I think we've gotten a lot of it out now, and um, now it's time to think about representations, and uh, if I have a program, for example, that transcribes my text, I was working on this open source program called Deep Speech from Mozilla. And there's a um, some examples of that. There are deep speech examples, and on there I have some instructions on setting it up for Windows, like all the details. And it produces a JSON file. I have a little Python script for, like, iterating over all the WAV files in a directory. And I guess I need to update that to uh, take an RSS feed and download the uh, files and then iterate over them. And to create a, um, a new RSS feed that contains the that contains the uh, output. Now in terms of transformation in XML, we have XSLT style sheets, which is a functional language. And it's kind of like Lisp. And um, it's Turing complete, but it's more like a Lambda function. And um, or scheme. It's basically based. It's this X scheme that's implemented in XML. Which is Lisp. Which is Lambda. And um, you can use that to transform XML from one format into another. So. I think um, you don't need a Python script. I don't know if it's too much to ask if a podcast player will implement XSLT. 
to transform the XML from one to another. And, um, you know, a podcast could implement, could imp, imp, include XSLT scripts to transform its data from one form into another. It could also just execute that for you. But it's really the question of who is paying for that transformation, who runs it. And this really gets into this question of implicit versus explicit data. Now you could argue that the um, RSS feed should be as simple as possible and as explicit as possible. Or you could argue that we want it to be as compact as possible and if we can express the RSS feed using templates and leave the burden of expanding those templates onto the listener or the consumer that it'll produce a better representation, better art. And um, this is something you should consider in your phase 15 of the podcast index, which is the script tag or template tag. How can we include um, templates or scripts in the RSS to process it or post-process it or to create synthetic um, to create synthetic um, attributes like length? I mean, just imagine if the length could be specified as a script. It's like, if length is missing, then execute this script. And then you need some API, like, oh, read the file. Well, how do you read the file? So we could include some programming language stuff. Some APIs for some basic manipulation of MP3, and then you could even put all of this information in the file and include tips on how to extract it so that the RSS spec turns into actually attributes or functions, and you take a functional view, so instead of being dead data, it's actually live, it's a live function. And that's kind of where I'm moving with my perspective on things. There is no dead attribute. This is kind of like the question of functional versus Turing. It's like, oh, I got all this state. I have all these bytes. I have all these fields. I have all this data. It's all split up into rows and hedges. That's kind of like the Turing or yeah, the state model. And then we could consider that the idea of state and ownership of data to be against the, the idea of functional. Now, if you catch my little nuance here, I'd love to say, oh yes, well, it's a um, it's a hedge up the hegemony of the state. You know, they could just introduce some random political crap here, which would be funny and say that the model of computing is actually racist um, from a, uh, what is it called? Postmodern neo-Marxist perspective, which I think would be hilarious, but that's just a little, I didn't really want to say that because I just wanted to imply that, okay? So just, that was my implication there for the people who listen to this podcast, you might've caught that. So to continue, all of these fields in the RSS feed, it's like, <clears throat> what is, um, 
dead content and what is live, right? And just think if the name or the description of a podcast episode could be seen as a function. And maybe that function reaches in to the mind of someone else. And we're just caching it. I mean, that's the kind of perspective that I'm trying to get to. Ages here for animals or something. And gravestones. This park is pretty crazy. With a kettle. Deer and monkey and bears, oh my. They had bears in this cage here. They had an observatory. In the 60s and 70s, they had financial cutbacks. Wonder why that happened. It's the barricade, I can't believe it. So, beautiful red foliage. Orange and green. I guess you might not see that down in Texas. I don't know if you see it down in Tennessee yet. So, um, I mean, it's very difficult to say that the description of something could be described as a function, but you could have some definitely a format function. You could replace, you could have a variable and then you could generate a name, like you could generate the episode name from the number. You could say, oh, well, my titles are S-T-R-E or podcast tag followed by season S followed by season number followed by E for episode, and then episode number followed by space, and then followed by the description tag. I mean, that would be nice to put in a template and not have to um, type it in, because in the end, just like Wikipedia templates, you know, you want to create it, make it so that the authors... So this is the question, is it easy for the authors? Is the RSS feed a communication between the author and the podcast index, between the author and the player, between the author and the listener? And who's at the advantage here? You know, is a spec just a, an agreement, an intermediation between these parties? Can we see it as a function? properties that are being described, or theorizing that, the, that there's these properties, or demanding that these properties exist. I'm going to get off these leaves here. So, you know, all these mushrooms. So, um, I think a script, a script tag for deriving a template function, and then in that template you can transform between transcription services, and I can just dump out the transcription from whatever format that I get it in, in JSON, and then we can just have some transformation tools embedded in the code. Um, to say how to interpret it. Because we're going to get into some really deep stuff here, guys. Okay? Like, we can go arbitrarily deep.
let me just give you some examples of what you can do in terms of deepness. Like, let's say I want to use voice recognition and say beginning of variable name. Variable name is podcast special value one. End of variable name. Beginning of variable value. Um, foobar. End of variable value. So now I've introduced content in my podcast and I've defined a variable. And now I want to run text recognition on that. And then in my template, I'm going to assert, I'm going to assert that there is such a thing as that podcast special variable one, and that the value of that will go into the title. Okay. And um, that could be as a contract. So if the uh, if this function doesn't evaluate, then maybe the episode uploader will ask me and say, hey, um, we're missing this variable. We thought you were supposed to provide it to us. We can't upload it because you're not fulfilling the contract. We can't evaluate this function. Right? So where does the content begin, right, and the index end? And this is my philosophical question to you, right? And I'm strapped with some deep, deep ideas on this. You know, and let me introduce you to my friend Gödel, who says that in any variable, in any number, you can embed an entire program. So we can just introduce a number and I can just read that number to you in the podcast and then we apply text to re speech recognition on it. And then we can interpret that number and execute it. And that could cause your executor to crash or timeout or use up CPU or do any number of things, depending on what the interpreter is bound to. So where does the code begin? Where does the program begin? Where does the podcast end? You know, and these are all ideas of um, symbolic representation. So, now, you would rightfully say, wait a second, whoa, that's phase 1000. And sure it is. Or that's phase never. Like, we're never going to get there. We don't care about that. We want to keep it simple. You don't need to show off all this new stuff you've been learning. that's the podcast art question. Those are some notes that I had for that. Whew. Yeah, we talked about Blender a little bit. Started to back up my stuff. I have a plan for backing up my stuff. And I think the easiest thing for me to do is to just take all the files that I have, zip them up, and dump them in archive.org in case um, in case the um,
Good morning. Hey, doggy. In case the um, anchor.fm ever catches on to my abuse of their system. People want money for this hosting. Money. Also, I was wondering how I can get listed on Apple. If anyone listening here has an Apple account, because I don't even have an Apple account. And I was thinking, what if I buy myself a seat at the Apple table and get myself an old Apple phone? You know? Like, what's the oldest device, the cheapest device I could use to get to, um, to do that? I could pick up some uh, used iPad or iPod or something. I don't know how many of those I can log into the internet and get an Apple ID with, and then I could submit my own podcast. Now, I could say we have a source podcast in a higher level language, and then we could compile that down and produce a second feed. I could have two feeds. One is like the newer version, and then after executing the templates, it produces a second one. That might be a good compromise. And the execution of those templates is just like the execution of the text-to-speech, an add-on function that needs CPU. And if you're mining that, you can earn coins in my currency called the Stream of Random Appreciation Tokens that are hosted on the podcast token, that are hosted on some other token. How do you mine these tokens? By running text-to-speech. Or evaluating functions. Or indexing code. Indexing podcasts. I'm not sure we need a cryptocurrency for this. Because the ledger is for people who don't trust or know each other. But we haven't even explored the boundaries of trust and knowing. And Keybase is pretty good at that. I have to reactivate my Keybase account. <sighs> Key management is the major problem.
Yeah. So what are we talking about, kids? Well, I think, um... We pretty much got out of my head what I was talking about. We could try and make it prettier. But, um... I think that's enough. It seems to me too short. But I don't want to just pause this thing and leave it going. I could even concatenate two files together. this on pause for now and listen to some podcasts on my walk and I'll check back in with you guys. I should have ended that on a better note and just said, hey, um, we're going to close this out because I think it's a good closure. So that's what we're going to do. Thanks for listening. And just remember this podcast It's me walking with my phone, doing my morning walk, getting my exercise, and sharing that time that I do my therapy session, talking to myself with you, the listener. So you're welcome to listen in. And um, in season three, we try and produce episodes. We have two episodes so far in season three. And maybe we're going to rework some of season one episodes into season three. We'll see. But uh, that's how it works here in the stream of random It's experimental noise art. Okay, peace out.